Hallelujah. Today I would like to share on something very critical and very, very important. The prophecy of the four apocalyptic horsemen. Now, for some time now, the Lord has been sending me across the globe to prophesy on the release of the four apocalyptic horsemen. I began by prophesying the release of the white horsemen. I went to the red horsemen. You'll soon know who they are. And then I went to the third one, the black horsemen and the pale horsemen. Now, I want to begin by first describing the vision of the third one and the fourth one. Those are key. And then I will be able to touch on the others too. The prophecy and their fulfillment and therein the revelation. Now, it was on August 19th, on the 19th of August, the year 2008, when in a mighty vision the Lord lifted me up and I found myself standing right before the throne of Jehovah in heaven. And as I stood there, the tremendous glory, the mountain-like glory that covers the throne had covered the throne. But he made me know, from where I was standing, right in front of the throne, he made me know that he that sits on the throne was seated on the throne. And the other thing, he also made me know that he was paying particular attention to me, he that sits on the throne. And then all of a sudden, the glory covering the throne, he that sits on the throne is seated on the throne. He made me know that he's seated and paying attention. And then all of a sudden, out of the throne came forth a creature. Today, this church is going to mature. Hallelujah. All of a sudden, out of the glory at the throne came forth a creature. And as that creature came, I may not describe a lot, but I know that there's a lot that the Lord has never allowed me to share. That is now the Lord. He is the Lord, right? And He is sovereign. So he can decide what he wants to be shared or not, right? So as the creature came from the glory of the throne, when I looked at him, I was terrified. I was very terrorized to see him and to see him coming towards me. So it was quite a very shaky moment before the throne of God, the mighty throne of Jehovah. And he came all the way, walking directly, coming towards me. The face was most glorious. What shocked me most was the frowning of his face. When I looked at his glorious face, and the lines, the frowning of the face, then I was already able to tell about the seriousness of what this conversation is going to be like. Just by looking at the seriousness of the face. Again, I'm talking about a creature from the throne of God. 19th of August, the year 2008. And as I stood there, he came all the way. And the Lord deliberately, later I'll tell you why, made sure he comes all the way towards me. And very close. And when the Lord was sure that I have already seen his face clearly 
then had him turn around and he went back into the glory of the throne. And that was very close. He came very, very close. I meet her here. Then he turned and went back to the glory that covered the throne, the mountain-like glory that covered the throne of Jehovah. And when he entered there, then the Lord, he opened my eyes a little bit more, one step further. So I was now able to see him inside the glory, the creature that had just come out and engaged me here. And when I looked at him inside the glory of the throne, what did I see? I saw him release a black horse. I hadn't known that there was a black horse in heaven. I was so shocked to see him inside there release a black horse. Black. Total black. And when the black horse came out of the glory of the throne, then I realized he had a rider on him. There was one seated on him riding him. And when he came out, there is something about the black horse the Lord wanted to show me. And so it's amazing. You can read the Bible, you can go to Bible school, you can do your PhD and write your thesis on the horseman. University. PhD. You can do your doctorate on the horseman. And write a chapter on the black horse. But there are certain things that if the Lord does not reveal to you, you know not. I was very shocked. And so, the black horse, the Lord wanted to reveal something about him to me. When he came out of the glory of the throne, the Lord made him come now with his rider straight to me, right to me. And when he came, this is how he came. He came with such force. And then stopped like that. Right in front of me. One meter. Huge horse. Very huge. Not your normal horse. And when he stood here, I was very shocked, of course. What did he do? Then, I realized at that moment that the black horse in heaven, as a matter of fact, has very long white hair. In English, you call it mane. M-A-N-E. Mane. Long, glorious white hair that ran from the neck all the way here. And that hair is not straight. It's curly like this. I don't want to describe a little bit more than this now. It's curly. Beautifully curly. And so when he came and stopped right in front of me, that is what the Lord wanted to show me. And look at what he did. The hair, the mane, the long hair that runs from the neck all the way down towards the waist here, it lies on him. But he is a black horse. Absolutely very black. When he arrived at where I was standing right before the throne, then he did this. He began to stretch out his long white mane like this. He was a tremendous sight to behold. As the white long mane, glorious, 
was stretched out. I could almost hear the glory that came out of the hair. Like this. The glory of the Lord came out of the white glorious hair. And it went, as stretched out like this. The glory. Incredible. The long white man emitted the glory of the Lord. Now I'm sharing with you people the inside secrets of the throne. Hallelujah. The glory emitted. It came out and I could almost say, the glory. You understand me? And then after that, this black horse, the Lord having known that I have now seen the white hair, the glorious mane, and he brings it back. At one point when he stretched it like this, I was almost confused. I thought those were his wings. That's how massive they are. I almost thought that this horse has wings. You know? <laughs> That's how tremendous. But anyhow, and then he went around heaven with his rider. And the next thing the Lord allowed me to see was down the earth. From heaven, I could now see the earth. And I saw the black horse running all over the earth. All over the earth, I saw him running with his rider. And then after that, I woke up. Every time the Lord speaks, you have to find it in the Bible. To the extent that if you don't find it in the Bible, the Lord, he has not spoken. You understand me? So the Bible is the common reference, the point of reference. And so when I woke up, of course, I was very stunned. And I was very shocked and terrified. And I first made phone calls to everybody, the people that work in the ministry offices. I called them. I said, don't go to your workplaces. Just come first thing in the morning. We have a meeting. The Lord has spoken. Because I was so terrified. But when I went to the Bible, then I found it. I simply sucked the black horse. Then I found him in there. That was August 19th, 2008. And look at how the Lord was speaking with me. He speaks with me on this August 19th here, 2008, very well aware that the next Saturday, 23rd and 24th of that August, I had a very big meeting of more than 2 million people in a town called Nakuru. So you see, he knew that I would deliver this day. How awesome. So anyhow, when I looked it up in the Bible, then at that meeting, on that August 23rd, Saturday, 24th Sunday, I stood before the nations and I said, listen to me, the nations of the earth. Listen to me, the angels in heaven. I have seen the release of the black horse. I said this. I said I had seen the release of the black horse. The black horse released. And then I said global famine. That means global famine is coming. Global economic crisis is coming. How would I know? Only through the Bible. The Bible is always the key. Now, I spoke after speaking about it. Then I went to Toronto also. Began to say the same. Went to other places, said the same, and then ended up also in Toronto having a conference. 
And I talked about it there. That was now October of that same year, 2008. But as I was still talking, then to my shock, all the global financial markets crashed while I was in Toronto. And I was very shocked also. In fact, later when I really traced it down, it was one and a half months from the pronouncement. It was one and a half months because it was mid-September. It was not even October. Later, I wanted to know what mechanism. Because this is a very big prophecy. How do you say it? How can you come and say that there is going to be a global economic crash? It's too big. The globe, how will it be achieved? The whole globe, you're talking about the world. Eh? So later I was interested in knowing how it happened. And I found out that actually around mid towards the end of September, there was a bank, an investment bank called the Lehman Brothers. In that bank, people invested globally, you know. Globally, people bought the stocks and everything else. And all of a sudden, they woke up one morning and found that they were bankrupt. And so, when they crashed, something called the domino effect is what crashed the earth. London, what, Paris, where, everywhere, Shanghai, Dublin. No, I was interested how that could be achieved. So I followed through. I began to dig the news after it was fulfilled. Let me go to the second level before I go to the next horseman. And then 2010, July, towards the end of July, I was in Seoul, South Korea, having big meetings to bring this message on the coming of the Messiah. And then I left from there and headed to Brisbane, the east coast of Australia, to do the same. So around July 31st and August 4th, standing at Brisbane, east coast of Australia, I said, the second bout is coming. The second bout of the global economic crisis is coming. And I said, it will be worse. And then I came from there. And then all of a sudden, it began to brew up. All of a sudden, the news began to brew up. And I saw it rattling Greece. Rattling the Eurozone. The famine I had appended to the prophecy began to consume the horn of Africa. Northern Kenya, Somali, Ethiopia, Chad, Sahel. Food shortage. Hallelujah. I began to see people going with food coupons to supermarkets. It was all over the news. Food coupons in the U.S., everywhere. That is one prophecy. Let me move to the next one before I get to the whole message. I was on my way to Venezuela for a national revival. And so, I arrived in South Africa, Johannesburg. And at that place, I found out that the next flight would be after 24 hours, because I arrived about 10 o'clock or so, that flight across the ocean leaves at 10 o'clock. So I couldn't make it for that flight. So I was in there waiting for the next flight. And then I said, I don't have money to go to the airport hotel or to some Hilton Hotel presidential suite. 
And I found out that it was legal, legal, it's allowed to sleep on the floor and it's free. And so, the only announcement they make in Johannesburg is, be careful, your bag will go. This time it will go. If you don't touch it, it will go. It must go. But anyhow, lying down, sleeping there, in the middle of the milieu, the busy milieu of the airport, the announcements, the flights, the everything, people walking by. Then, at that place, I saw the visions of the Lord. In the midst of the airport, people are walking by. At that place, the Lord came and spoke with me. And what did he say? Listen to this now. I'm describing this vision. When I fell asleep, then all of a sudden, the Lord lifted me up again and brought me before his throne. And this time the voice said, look and see who is coming. Pay attention to this very carefully. This is the, another vision now. This another. In fact, this is July 29th, 2009. Again, July 29th, 2009, on the way to Venezuela. Again, the voice said, look and see who is coming. When I looked towards my left, then I saw the tremendous pale horse. Huge, very huge. He was coming with such power and impunity and force and authority. And I saw his rider with him, but behind him, it looked more like the storm we were seeing ahead of us as we were driving. That is what was following the pale horse. A little bit greenish though, in color, like a major storm is coming with him. Dark green, kind of like that, but a major storm, you know. So I saw him coming with his rider and a major storm like coming with him. And the Lord made him come till very close. And I was able to recognize his face, the patches of glory. His face has patches of glory, patches, patches of glory like this. And he stopped here. And then when I looked up, then I saw the rider. And then the next part of this vision is very key. This is the most important right now. At that place, after that I saw him leave. And he went and I saw him running all over the earth. But the next part is key. After that, from where I was standing, the Lord now allowed me to see the church. To see the church where? The church standing right before the throne of God in heaven and worshipping Jehovah. Now, let me tell you this. I had seen the Lord come to take the church. That I have seen, I think, four times before then. I had seen four times. He had spoken to me about, I am coming to take the church, including the rapture of the dead. I had seen about four times. He had spoken to me four times about how he is coming to take the glorious church, the holy, holy church. Not all Christians will go there. Not all will enter, you know that. Yes, not all Christians will enter. Let's make sure we understand that. Only the holy Christians will enter. Because the Bible will not change. For without holiness, 
Nobody will see the Lord. No one. So anyhow, that was my first time anyway to see the church finally in heaven. I've never seen the church in heaven. I had seen him take the church and heaven opened and, you know. But to see the church finally inside heaven, that was the first time. Hallelujah. And when I looked at the church, when I looked at the church in heaven, what did I see? That's what I want to describe and it's very key for the church, for your salvation, for your entry at this hour. When I looked at the church, what did I see? From where I was, I saw her. You know, I don't know why I did not understand that earlier. I almost used to think the glorious bodies are also the glorious garment. But that is not true. I realized that there is a garment garment. There is a garment. They were wearing long, white, glorious garments. And when the garments reached down, they flowed a little bit. They flowed. Meaning a little bit longer and away from the feet. Hallelujah. And glorious, beautiful white. And look at this now. They were worshipping in a high worship. It was very high worship. The most glorious worship I've ever beheld. Listen to this now. As they worshipped, I noted one thing. They were worshipping in unison. How? Hands lifted up, facing the throne. And when they went towards one side, they went together in that way like this. And they worshipped beautifully like this before him. I was so shocked. And from where I was, as they made movements, changed direction and turned like this together, in unison, one accord, the changing of direction on their garments gave flashes of the glory of the Lord, the glory of the garment. And to me, from where I was, it looked like thousands of camera flashes. On my eyes. I was seeing glory, glory, like thousands of cameras flashing. That is just how powerfully glorious the garment of the Lord is. The garment of the church, your garment. And they worship. It was so powerful. Very glorious worship. I've never heard another. And then after that, I woke up. Went to the Bible, read about the pale horsemen, began to talk about the bloodshed and death that is coming to the earth. Death. You'll see later. The rider is called death. That's how I began to give the prophecy of the death. You see the bloodshed around the Arab world. But key in that prophecy was now the fact that I've seen finally the church in. The church has now entered. That was a highlight now. Which means, behold, the hour for the church to appear, to present before the throne has arrived. Remember for me, I see before it happens. And come to say, which means will happen soon. 
Did you understand everything? So everything I'm describing here, be careful now. It's about what is going to happen. What's about to happen. The Arab unrest, you remember, came up. That one became fulfilled. But now this one here, this one. Be careful with this thing. The day of rapture is irretrievable. Irreversible. It's a day you cannot pull back. You can't call it back. It will pass the earth through an irreversible change. I have seen the earth after the rapture. And the gross darkness that beclouds the earth. There are many things I don't want to share. For example, if this is your house, this is your living room, and there was a holy Christian that uh, was buried here, a tomb will open up in the middle of your house. This tomb will open up and this person will go. It will be a spooky situation where you will have a tomb open right inside your house. If there is a surgeon who is operating on a patient, a holy patient, holy, he will be shocked. Only the clothes and everything remains. The patient is gone. If there will be a surgeon who is holy and operating on a patient, you will be shocked there is no surgeon. If there will be a pilot piloting a plane, operating an aircraft, and he is holy with his first officer and co-pilot, they will be taken by the Lord. You can imagine how the earth will instantly ripen for the Antichrist, somebody to rise up and take authority. Did you understand me? Now, these two visions, I want to use them to launch the message for today. What is the message that comes out from them to the church? Talking prophecy, hey, global economic crisis is coming, global famine is coming, and they manifest, and they are fulfilled. It's beautiful, but it's one thing. You understand? Because now you are used to seeing the Eurozone, you know, they have not agreed in Brussels, the budget issues, whatever. You are used to those things. But what is the message the Lord is sending from there? Are you going to watch your news like the heathen? You sit there and say, oh, that's another news item. No, oh, there is supposed to be a message from there. Huh? Now listen to this. I'm going to walk you very carefully that you may understand the prophecy of the four apocalyptic horsemen. And this is a beautiful message. A glorious message. Now, it was common practice for the Lord Jesus that whenever he had preached, whenever he had ministered to the multitude, to the people, it was common routine for the Lord to always withdraw from the multitude. He always withdrew because he needed some time to be replenished, to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. So, he always withdrew and most of the time because my Lord did not have a home 
because my Lord did not have a mailing address. So he always withdrew to the Mount of Olives. Can you imagine that life? So when I was sleeping on the floor of the airport in South Africa, I understood what my Lord went through. Oh yes, on the hard rock. He withdrew to the rock. To the Mount of Olives. And it was during one of those days when he had ministered to the people and he was withdrawing to the Mount of Olives that the disciples finally came up to him and stopped him. And the Bible says they tried to draw his attention to the temple buildings. Hallelujah. Different versions, different books, you know. They say, one of them says, they try to draw his attention to the magnificence of the architecture of the buildings. Hermosura, the beauty of the architecture. How powerful this architecture is. They say, Lord, look at how powerful. Look at how magnificent. They were in awe at the beauty of the temple buildings. But as they were in the process of stun, of shock, of awe, amazement at the architecture, catching his attention, trying to draw his attention to them. In fact, in the book of Luke, he says, discuss, he says, the gifts. Look at the wonderful gifts that were brought into the temple, meaning the pillars were gold-coated. The gifts of gold were used to make the pillars golden. Some places golden up there, golden, you know, beautiful. But as they were in the process of drawing his attention to the temple buildings, then he broke their hearts. He dismayed them. How did he do this? Because they're in stand. Then shock, amazement. They're excited about this. Then he say, do you see all these buildings? I tell you, a time is coming when all these buildings must be brought down. And not one stone will remain on another. Not one stone will remain on another. He shocked them. They wondered, what would make somebody break down such beautiful buildings of Jehovah? Of the Lord God Almighty. He said, a time is coming when those buildings, the beautiful architecture, the magnificent architecture, all the buildings must be brought down. And not one stone will remain on another. They were shocked. But I don't know. You know, many times I read the Bible and I try to really figure out things, you know. When I read the Bible... I try to always find out what is the hidden message here. Because I think that's one other moment when you could see the dispensation. I don't know. I'm just saying really. When heaven released the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. If you want to use that to gauge when the dispensation of the grace began, that's now you. But you could see very clearly 
Now, when heaven released wisdom to man. The disciples, when they heard that, they immediately understood. They said, oh, now we understand. He must be talking about the signs of his coming and the signs of the end of the age. You see that? The Lord from heaven revealed to them, he said, no, he's not talking about anything else. He's talking about then, the signs of the coming of the Messiah and the signs of the end of the age. So now, listen to this. That caused them to come closer to him. In fact, the Bible now says that, look, he was seated. Jesus was seated on the rock on the Mount of Olives. He was now seated on that rock. And they now, having received understanding of what he was talking about here, the Bible says, and they came up to him privately. The key word to underline the, when we get there will be privately. And the disciples came up to him privately and they asked him, Lord, when will this happen? And what will be the signs of your return, of your coming? And the signs of the end of the age? Do you see this? Again, I'm walking you very slowly into the prophecy of the four apocalyptic horsemen. So that you may understand the message the Lord is exuding into the church right now. In fact, I say this. In this message here, if you will pay particular attention to this, you will realize, you will see that the Lord is actually, he is demarcating, he is defining the prophetic timeline of God. And if you look very carefully, you see the zero countdown to the coming of the Messiah. Hallelujah. Now, when they came up to the Lord, sitting on the rock, Lord, when will this happen? What will be the signs of your return, of your coming, and the signs of the end of the age? Then the Lord, when he began to respond to them like this, there came forth, there was birthed out, the most central prophecy in the entire Bible combined. Why the most central? Why the most central prophecy in the whole Bible? Because this prophecy reveals the secrets, the signs that he wanted us to watch for. That when we see, we know the Messiah is coming. Do you understand? That is the reason you became a Christian. That you may get to know the signs and enter. You understand me? You did not become a Christian that you may miss to enter. No, you did not. No. And listen to this, somebody. All the other prophecies in the Bible that talk about His coming, they just revolve around this prophecy. That's why I want you to catch this. I know you come from many other churches, but you are taking your sermon for the years. Once you cut this, you can now run and enter. Because all the other prophecies simply revolve around this prophecy. But before we go there, when you go into the Bible, so you are talking about the prophecy Jesus gave. And that is in the ministry of Christ, Right? But when you go into the Bible and begin to look for this prophecy, Matthew, 
Matthew realized the centrality of this prophecy. And he recorded it in Matthew chapter 24. You see that? And when you walk right into the book of Mark, Mark realized the significance of this. And he documented it in the book of Mark chapter 13. Luke, Luke realized that this was extremely important. When Luke realized how important this was, Luke recorded it in the book of Luke chapter 21. But when you cross over into the book of John, you don't find it. You don't find it. But this is the ministry of Christ. Jesus himself said it. So I expect to find it in the four glorious gospels, right? You look, you look and look again, you don't find it in the book of John. You search for it, you don't find it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit separated John. The Lord, as you'll see very shortly, sitting on the Mount of Olives, giving the prophecy. But he needed somebody separated to receive the translation, the transcript. That when you will be able to read the prophecy, and then to read the translation, the transcript, and watch your news, then in real time say, oh, now I understand this thing. Uh-oh, now I really understand what all this global crisis, the bloodshed in the Arab world, what all this, and oh, now I understand this. Wow, wow, wow. You see, it will help you to position you. Did you understand? And for that, John had to be separated. And John received the translation and he recorded it in the book of Revelation. However, but he concentrated it into the book of Revelation chapter 6, where we are going to dwell in after we finish with the others. Hallelujah. This is mature food for the church. This is now not milk and cereal and cereal for the baby. Eh? This is now strong food to mature the church, to be strong, to resist the devil, to prepare mature church. He's coming from a mature bride. To stature you up, to season you in the word. You can go ahead and teach this after this. Listen to this now. Again, when John received it, he recorded it in the book of Revelation. And then he concentrated it in the book of Revelation chapter 6, which is going to be our focus. We're going to move to run across. I'll summarize for you Revelation 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And then we'll narrow down on 6 and then I'll bring up the message. I'll bring up the message the Lord is speaking to this church, to this country, to this nation, right? Now listen to this. What are the aspects of the prophecy? What is that most central prophecy? That you should look forward to, look to, to know that the Messiah would be coming. Let us focus on the one in Matthew 24. Now, Matthew 24. My Bible has some small subtitles. It says, signs of the end of the age. I am reading NIV, and you know why I read NIV? In that dream, the hand that called me handed down the NIV Bible. That's why I read the NIV. But let me read this now. Matthew chapter 24, he said, Jesus left the temple 
and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Hallelujah. So you see, he was walking away from the temple when the disciples came up to him, stopped him, approached him. And then verse 2 he says, Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, now he is already sitting on the rock. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Underline that word privately. Privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? Are we together? That is the awakening I talked about. That they were awakened to the fact that, oh, he is talking about the signs of his coming and the signs of the end of the age. So then they came to him to ask. And when he attempted to respond to them, the biggest prophecy, the most central prophecy in the entire Bible was birthed out. Verse 4 now we are beginning to elaborate, enumerate the aspects of the prophecy. Verse 4, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. If I meet the word deceive, I underline. I'm trying now to pull out for you the prophecies, the aspects of the prophecy Jesus gave. The things he said, watch out for. Look out for this. When you see these things, then you know I'm coming. He said, watch out that no one deceives you. Verse 5. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. If you meet the word deceive, underline it again. Hallelujah. So you see right away, the Lord, as they asked, Lord, what will be the signs? Tell us. What are those signs that will demarcate, that will mark the days before you come? That will punctuate the time before you come? Then he says, watch out that nobody deceives you. For many will come saying, I am the Christ claiming and will deceive many. If I were you, this prophecy, because he said it sitting on the Mount of Olives, I like to call it the Mount of Olives prophecy. So listen to this. So if I were you and I'm writing most central prophecy or Mount of Olives prophecy, whichever title you've given it and you've underlined, number one, he's already given us the first secret. He said, there will be a dispensation of deception. Did you understand that? Now, listen to me very carefully. What will be the signs that when we see, we may know? Olivet prophecy, Mount of Olives prophecy, most central prophecy, underline number one, deception. Dispensation of deception. That's the first thing the Lord highlighted. He said, watch out. In those days before I come, if you will see deception, then just prepare. Just know that I'm coming. Hallelujah. 
I know some of you are already beginning to say, oh, now I understand even better why the church is in this place. Why there is so much deception in the house. I'm coming there. Why the false prophets, false apostles are marauding around in the church, you know. They're looting people left and right and center. They say, there is a prophet here. There is a prophet here now. This is fertile ground. Make sure you sow your seed here. They say like that. Now you are beginning to say, oh, now I understand. Oh, oh. Now I really understand. The first prophecy was deception. Say, there will be a dispensation of deception. Lying. But tell me somebody. Deception where? Look at this now. Sitting on the rock. On the Mount of Olives. They are here. They have come here privately. He is talking to them. And look at this now. And he's doing this. Say, watch out. Huh? Watch out that nobody deceives you. Many will come and deceive many. Deception where? In the church. Because the disciples at this time represented the church. Can I move it another level? Deception where? The disciples at this time represented the priesthood. The pulpit. Do you hear me? I said church. I said priesthood. I said pulpit. I said altar. Deception in the pastoral. In the priestly. Why? Why would you target the priests with deception? Why would deception go there? Because you are the light of the world. You are the light of the nation. And let me tell you something. If you want to destroy a nation, you just go ahead and destroy the church. Then that's it. It's done. Once the church is deceived, then the entire nation is deceived. Excuse me. This is obvious. And once the pastor is deceived, the entire church is already deceived. Do you understand me? That's why the Lord Jesus highlighted, said, you will see deception during those days. Be careful. You will see deception. Number two, second prophecy. He says from verse six, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse seven. Nation rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Hallelujah. He has given the second prophecy, the second secret. Sitting here. He said, the second prophecy is bloodshed. Bloodshed. That's essentially what he's describing there. He said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then, after that you'll see nation fight nation. Kingdom fight kingdom. Hallelujah. Meaning bloodshed. When I was giving this prophecy, it was the red horse that came out. So bloodshed. Listen to this now. Lord, what would be the signs of your coming? 
Number one, there will be deception in those days. And we are talking about grand deception. Where? In the church. Where? At the pulpit. Number two, he said, there will be bloodshed, horrendous bloodshed. And he says, there will be different types of wars. There will be just war, 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 where you just decide to fight. And there will be another type where nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Oh, that is very powerful. Now listen to this. Now I understand the war in Somalia. Now I understand the post-election violence in Kenya. Now I understand the xenophobia in South Africa. Now I understand the war, war in Afghanistan, the bloodshed in Mexico, which I went and prophesied there before. <laughs> I wish they listened to me. The Lord, in that mighty dream, his hand shaved my head. And I saw myself take one third and pierce with a knife. One third set on fire at the city square, the center of the city square. One third blow it away like this towards the mountains of Monterey. I wish they listened to me. But anyhow, he says, there will be different types of wars. The war against the drug gangs, the gangsters, the drug barons in Mexico. The kind of war you see in DR Congo. The kind of war you see in Afghanistan, in Iraq. The war that is coming to Iran. I have been prophesying the war coming to Iran until he showed up in the news. The earth has never been this way before. Anyhow, nation fight nation. That's another type. The type in Mexico, the type you see in uh, Somali, all that. Bloodshed. There are so many all over. Number two, bloodshed. How about number three? He says, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Listen to this. Number one, deception. Number two, bloodshed. Number three, he says, there will be famine. There will be famines. And he says, in various places. So if I were you, number three would be famines. And I'll tell you what that translates into. Number four, earthquakes. Now I understand why I went to Haiti. Why he spoke to me before the Haiti earthquake and said, go there and warn them. And went to the whole of that island of Hispaniola and began to warn them that a massive earthquake is coming. A very serious earthquake is coming. Historic is the word. And you know, they were very confused. They said, just a moment. Are you saying something we've not seen before? And the way I was describing them in the big meetings... They realize this type of earthquake we've not seen here. Yeah, because we've not seen that. People have lived here and died here without seeing that kind of earthquake. Only one thing shocked them. When their cripples at the healing service began to get up and walk, and they are blind, their eyes began to pop open and see. That is the only time they began to realize just a moment. I think this guy may be from the Lord. And the things he's talking about, the earthquake, might even happen. They began to fear now. But they did not repent. The earthquake in Chile, 
When I went to Chile, Santiago de Chile, and warned them, went on the TV, it's a global TV program, Puertas Abiertas, meaning open doors, but sat there and warned about this. And went all the way to Concepcion, which would be the epicenter. I went up to the place where the epicenter would be Concepcion, the tip of Chile, Ultimo de Tierra, the end of the earth. And warned, it is coming. And then I said, it will take place on a day when there is a fiesta in the town. And I said, the ocean will vomit. And on that day, there was a feast, the annual feast. There the other took place. And indeed, the ocean vomited. The ships were at the city center. The boats and ships. The octopuses were one meter thick. That's the stench. You know, vomit smells, right? They said the ocean would vomit. All the other earthquakes all over the world. Venezuela, 48 hours. In Colombia, also 48 hours. And I talked about the river. The bridge is broken. The bridge broke. River Cauca. Now you understand the biblical basis of the earthquakes have been prophesying all over the globe. Biblical basis. Based on the Bible. But listen to this. He says, number one, deception. Number two, bloodshed. Wars. And inside the walls, he said, rumors of wars also. But how about the rumors of wars? Every country on the earth right now is actually preparing for some terrorist attack. Oh yes, and it somehow turns out eventually becomes almost real. Eh? You see, terrorists are going to attack. Everybody's beefing their defenses. If when the terrorist attack will be ready, we'll get it, you know. We'll get down on it with them, eh? Rumors of wars. Number one, deception. Number two, bloodshed. Number three, famines. Number four, earthquakes. Now, precious people, these four, they are clustered into four main prophecies. When Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, on that rock, and he spoke these words, this prophecy, Little did they know that he was actually giving the prophecy of the release of the four apocalyptic horsemen. Did you see that? They did not realize that's what he was doing. But that's what essentially he did. And so, down the line, you'll hear a lot of things. He'll talk about apostasy if you read down. He'll talk about the falling away from true faith that will also take place. Apostasy, the falling away from true faith, the failure to now stick to the true faith. He mentions it there. And he says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will wax cold, will fade away. Which means the love for Christ will wane off. And he goes on down to say, and because of that, two women will be grinding on a mill. One will be taken, and the other one remain. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other remains. So you see, the cascade, the repercussion, the consequence of all that, of what he has given there. Hallelujah. Well, if you would like to receive the Lord, repeat this prayer now. Say, dear Jesus, I repent to you today. 
and reject all sin and ask you to baptize me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and keep me away from evil and establish righteousness and holiness in my life. Establish the cross and the blood in my salvation. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again.